the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Yak Radio at Dave Stahl, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. This is brought to you by Southwest Point of Sale. Hey, if you are in a grocery business or a liquor store and you're in the dire need of uh, cashiers, why don't you try self-checkout? Southwest Point of Sales will do that for you. 1-800-540-2149. They'll come out, take a look at your market, grocery store, liquor store. And if it turns out that their system will benefit you, it's no more expensive than an old-style cash register. They'll hook you up. You can use your iPhone. You can change prices. You can do it all. Delivery, installation, and training is provided by Southwest Point of Sales Specialist. Unlimited technical support is provided. Check these guys out at 1-800-540-2149. San Diego Propane, if you live out in East County and you're into the propane world and you want to save some money, get away from the big guys and go with a family. San Diego Propane, sd-propane.com, 619-460-1705. Dave and his family will care more about you than any of the big companies. They'll come out to your house. They'll do a site inspection. They'll even check out... You know, if you've got all the correct monitoring systems in your house, just to keep you safe. Check them out at 619-460-1705 or go to sd-propane.com. West Escondido Auto and Trans, four locations. Napa Auto Care, ASE certified, AAA. Nobody does it better than West Escondido Auto and Trans. Go to westautomotivegroup.com. Tell them you heard it right here on KCBQ. All right, this is kind of an older interview, but I was I loved doing it, and I actually thought I hadn't ran it before, but looks like uh, Mr. Brendan said that I did, since he knows more about my show than I do. And it was at Monticello Motorsport Park back in New York, driving the GR86. Take a listen. All right. Hey, folks, guess what? I am in New York at Monticello uh, Motorsport Park with a Toyota and the 86, and I've got a couple of GR86, I might add, and i got a couple of very important people that were uh, instrumental in putting this car on the road, and when you get behind the wheel, you're going to see exactly why we are so excited about it. I guess the first guy we'll talk to is Timothy Anik. Hello. What's your title? Yeah, so I, I'm basically the marketing planner for GR86. Okay, so you planned it, and you are John Stanley, and what did you do on this? Uh, product planning. So we did the development of the product and getting it in terms of its grade and its content for the customers so you basically you didn't really make a lot of changes from the last generation i mean some power some uh, length and lowered a little bit but what was the main goal for this particular model uh the main goal was to keep it um to keep and preserve the kind of spirit of the car give it a little bit more horsepower and make it even more fun to drive and just make it a better driver's car and then also keep it at a very good price and keep it reasonable and just kind of, you know, update the technology inside the car and give it a refresh because it hadn't had a refresh in 
many, many years. So kind of a overall uh, full model change, but, uh, you know, heavy emphasis on the refresh and making the interior look a little bit better, make the exterior look a little better, and then just keep the whole spirit of the car and give it a little bit more horsepower and a little bit more handling. And that's kind of the problem in the auto industry when you guys do a refresh or remodel. You change the vehicle, and then the people that love the very first gen are bummed because you didn't stay close to it. I think you guys really, the changes, you'd have to be a really an aficionado on 86 to really see those subtle changes. Don't you agree? Well, I would say, I mean, visually, the car looks pretty different. So I would say you can see that there has been a change, but when you get behind the wheel, you basically see that we listened to the customers and gave them more of what they wanted and took away the stuff that wasn't successful in the prior gen. Yeah, And, and I think that's the success of this car is the fact that you did listen to the enthusiasts because I'm telling you, the 86 Club is massive. I mean, and there's a lot of people you talk to. Yeah, quite a few, actually, and what, along with them. And we also had one really big fan that kept us on the rails and on the thing, and that would be Akio Toyota. <laughs> He's a huge fan of this car, and he had a lot of input into this car to make sure it kept the spirit. And also, when we're doing the new GR brand, that you know we could launch something that would have the GR label. And so that was super important to him, and keeping the customers happy and keeping, the whole again, the whole spirit, the feeling of the car intact and making it just that much better well and i have to tell you you know the spirit is definitely there we were out here on monticello park we got to go out and drive the car at speed and the control you i mean whether you're a professional driver or not a professional driver the control you feel by driving this car it's not skitzy it's not something that you can't handle i mean it really gives you i guess that driving experience that you want definitely the driving experience i want yeah you're just all bummed because you don't get to go out there and drive. You have to sit here and talk to us journalists. For now, when you guys leave, we're going to be out there on the track. Don't worry. Oh, so we're closing down at what, 2 o'clock in the afternoon? 3. Yeah, 3. <laughs> so is so I, I know you can't talk future product, and I never would do that, but I, it looks to me like this GR platform has got a, just a lot of growth in front of it. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, the, it's going to become the premier sports car line for Toyota globally. Um, and so now we're just launching it in America with the, the, the two products that we have now, the GR Supra and the GR86 uh, now. And so, again, and this has got the backing of the CEO. And so it's got to, you know, perform. And it's, you know, there are high expectations for it. And there's a really high bar for it. So you got to make sure that everybody's happy and all the ducks are in a row and things are going the right way. Well, I was really, really glad to see the accessories that you could put on this GR86, and I'm sure they're going to come through the parts department of the Toyota dealer. So if you have the dealer install those components, that's going to be covered under the warranty. So you don't have to fool around with an aftermarket chasing those guys down, and what kind of guarantee can I get? Yeah, again, they're OEM products. They've got the OEM warranty. They're genuine Toyota parts. So, yeah, absolutely. That's the big thing about this that, you know, and developing, you know, that business too, uh, looking for markets to excel in. And that's one of, you know, accessories is one of the big markets that we can do and make some money on. And so that's one of the things. And having, yeah, takes having an OEM part or genuine Toyota part takes all the guesswork out of the customers. And so it's like, and they're, we can all warranty them. So they're made at the same Toyota standards as the rest of the car. You know, that's what our accessories people do, and they conform. So they're good stuff. Well, and the components that you put on these cars are designed 
they they follow all the criteria of what you're looking for for a component to go on a car that you guys build so that you can comfortably stand behind it where with an aftermarket you have absolutely no control of their quality not saying that they're bad not saying that they don't do a good job but you can't control it yeah if you blow the engine with an aftermarket supercharger you can't come to the dealer and ask what went wrong yeah you know what went wrong Okay, so let, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room because I deal with a lot of the 86 guys in, and girls in San Diego. They have a big, big representation, and they keep asking me, why not a tur- turbo or why not a supercharger? And I guess the answer would be, and I'll answer mine, then you can answer it as well, is go drive the car. How, I mean, do you really need a turbo? Do you really need a supercharger? No, not in this particular car, not this case. And we, like I said, uh, and you can certainly add those things, but, you know, it's a, you know, there's a little bit of uh, business in there and dynamics and everything and what would make sense with the car and, you know, regulations and those type of things because it costs a bunch of money to recertify a motor and those things, especially if you put a turbo on them or superchargers or anything else like that. So there's a whole process. So in order to keep, you know, the cost down for the customer, that's one of the things that we're doing. And, again, the spirit of the car. Naturally aspirated cars are much easier to drive. They're, they're very linear and they're throttle, easy to modulate. Something to have a good time with and fun all the time. But also be reasonable that you could use as a daily driver and on the street and very streetable. So, And then also you don't have the warranty problems and those things in terms of supercharged motors or turbo. You know, you get all to all the things that you have to do in terms of durability. So, you know, this car was, you know, Entry level, simple, keep it, you know, keep it simple, uh, straightforward, fun to drive, and just make it so it's a lot easier and possible. Keep the weight down, everything, and keep the cost down. And so it's a very good entry point and also a good, very good platform now to even do those modified, to do those modifications in the future for the aftermarket. It's a wonderful platform to do that for. And then you turn around and surprise everybody and make a trunk space big enough to put four mounted race tires and wheels so that if you go to let's say a nasa event Mm -hmm. which is a phenomenal group of folks out there and and you can go out there unload your tires mount them on with a floor jack boom you go out you race and you win right that's exactly right and i would also say back to the the comment about why no turbo um if you look at our lineup we actually do have a turbo four-cylinder supra and so the idea is that that four-cylinder supra kind of hopefully would meet that demand well, and there you go. So if you do, if you just have to have a turbo, which you know as well as I do, the people that have turbo cars after six months of ownership and you ask them how you like the performance of that turbo, they kind of give you that deer in the headlight look and say, oh, yeah. A, a buddy of mine told me that he had to have a, a car with a paddle shifter. I go, you really need to have a paddle shifter? Oh, yeah, I just got to have a paddle shifter. And six months into it, I asked him, I said, so how... How's that paddle shifting? Have you got it down to a science? He goes, oh, shoot, because I haven't shifted that thing with a paddle. Because the customers want one thing and do another. Absolutely. And so, like I said, it's just like at the end of the day, the car's got to be drivable and livable on the street more than it is on the track. When you get to the track, you have a lot of fun. Switch some tires out on it, switch some brakes out on it, and you can have a great time. And that's the whole point. Well, you're at, go ahead. I was just going to say, the other thing is, is we've seen, you know, about 80 to 90% of our customers for 86 or current gen 86, but future GR86 um, are using this car every day. So, and, and that's actually, you'll see that reflected probably down the line in our manual transmission take rate, which we, you know, we always hope it's going to be much higher than it is. Ideally drive a stick shift, but most of our consumers end up buying automatics for that reason. 
Yeah, I don't understand. And by the way, I was a service manager when the AE86 showed up. I had an FX16 GTS. I had, oh yeah, <laughs> and I don't have it today, and I am killing myself because that little Corolla GTS, yeah. oh, what a pocket rocket. Oh, those were absolutely the fun cars, and it was very, very analog, very no driver. No driver uh, help, assist. No assist, thank you, and stuff like that. So, yeah, just kind of the purest sports car. Um, yeah, all sorts of fun. Back in the day when I first started, I used to campaign with a guy, a uh, uh, AE86 and GT4 and SCCA. And so, yeah, great. And But the thing about it is it ran all the time. You would literally show up at the track, put gas in it, put tires on it, put brakes on it, and go. And if you had any kind of talent, you would win, put the trophy in the back, and go home. Just yeah, and just it was just a fun day out. It was yeah, there wasn't a lot of and there wasn't a lot of I don't know drama or anything else like that. We and you know we were still doing carburetors and carburetors are fun, but still I mean there wasn't a lot of drama to it. And you know that's the whole spirit of this car too. Not a lot of drama. Really easy to maintain, easy to drive, easy to own, and easy and really easy to have fun with. Well, even now more so than ever. I think with the improvement to the body, stiffness, uh, the new tires on it, the tires are wonderful. Oh, my God. makes such a difference, the tires. And then the way that they did the torque balance and flattened out the torque curve to make the torque come in earlier at the lower RPMs, it just makes it so, on a trick like this, because it's kind of small and short, it's just so much fun. It's not really busy. You're not trying to grab gears, keep it in the sweet spot. It's just very I don't know. I can't say enough. It's just so easy to, and fun to drive. It's just so you're telling me you're joining the club here at Monticello. Is that what you're telling me? I could, <laughs> but I don't really live here. But anyways. It's a nice track. It looks well, like a beautiful track. And one other thing that's a super, super bonus, and I can't overemphasize, is buy this car and take advantage of the NASA one-day driving experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, Tim knows a little bit more than that because that's the marketing ploy, not from wow, the planning set. Yeah. Come on yes. over to Tim. <laughs> because, you know, I have people buy cars. I've got a girl. She bought a Corvette. Mm-hmm. And I said, take the driving school out of Ron Fellows. Oh, no, I'm just going to street drive. I go, just do it. It makes you, you a better driver on the street. Hear, you should hear her rant and raving. She's already gotten out of a couple of situations, people pulling in front of her because she knows what the car will do. And that's the same thing. You know, with the GR, I mean, if you don't take the class and don't learn what that car can do, yeah. then you really are shortchanging yourself. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the idea of this car is it's kind of um, an entry-level sports car. So it's the idea is to develop you as a driver. And so we feel that the NASA membership, which is National Auto Sport Association, um, will give you the opportunity to learn your car but also learn how to be a better driver yourself. Um, and, you know, this car was developed on the track. It was, you know, with lots of test drivers it had to get Akio's approval, and the, the best way, I would say, to experience the essence of this car is to put it on a track. Yeah. All right, guys, I can't thank you enough. I'm going to go back out and drive some more. John Stanley and Timothy Anik from uh, GR86. They're not going to be in the dealers till October, November-ish, somewhere in that area, November. So get a hold of your dealer. I think if you go online, stay on track. You can start custom ordering it because you got two models to choose from, the G- GR86 and the Premium see which one makes you the happiest and as i always say if you're not smiling what you're driving get out of it thanks guys all right thank you all right folks welcome back to yak radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer definitely want to drive a gr86 i love that car hey south bay auto house is your one-stop shop for any mercedes-benz work if you want to kind of flip out from the dealer and 
Check out the best independent in Southern California. South Bay Auto House, Mercedes-Benz Service and Repair is it. They have a huge parts department, so you never have to worry about parts. Over 25 years of experience, all factory-trained technicians. They even have a great selection of pre-owned Mercedes-Benz, and if you're trading yours in, they might even give you more money than the dealer. So don't touch a dial until you go to AutoHouseSouthBay.com. That's AutoHouseSouthBay.com. Talk to Gary or Rick. Tell them you heard it right here on KCBQ, and they'll take really, really, really good care of you. Also, Bumper Docs and T, 8711 Magnolia, when you get your windows tinted, uh, whatever it is that you want to do, they will take care of you just like family. Go to santeebumperdoc.com. All right, Chad Morris, talking to him about the new Toyota 2022 Corolla Cross. Now, it's not the Corolla of days gone by, so take a listen. All right, folks. Hey, I'm in Austin, Texas with a new 2022 uh, Toyota. What's the name of that rascal? The Corolla Cross. Yeah, you heard him right. I had to have Chad Moore tell me about it because everybody knows the Corolla has been around since, what, 50 years? Yeah, roughly 50 years, yeah. Well, I used to be a service manager in town that had the Corolla when it first came out. I thought, hey, this is a pretty cool little car, and I watched it go through its iteration. But tell me, why is it? Why did you bring the Cross in? Where, where does that fit in the lineup? Well, really expanding the Corolla nameplate, which you said, has a lot of history, a lot of sales, a lot of, a lot of good brand value there, and uh, just bringing it into an entry SUV model, small SUV, a little bit smaller than the RAV4, and, uh, and priced uh, you know, a little bit under it to really give uh, a new option to someone who maybe it's their first time buying an SUV and get something that's affordable, provides a lot of value and a lot of versatility. Well, wouldn't you say that the buyer... 50 years ago is so different than the buyer today yes yes and and you know it changes you know every five ten years you know depending on what people want what's in the marketplace uh and what people are doing you know in the free time exactly and you know gas prices up up where they're at especially in california you know fuel mileage is important uh with this particular vehicle now uh, pricing and driving experiences are are embargoed but we'll, you know we'll just hang on to this interview because i think it's important that i just came back on a short run and was ex- and i was in the uh the le and i was perfectly happy it had great visibility but what were some of the things that you were trying to go after because we're, we're in between the two vehicles yeah it's um you know uh, providing a nice package a nice ride height right so it's uh, over eight inches of ground clearance so the ride height is pretty close to rev4 uh, obviously, it sits a bit higher than than the Corolla um, or even the CHR, which is our uh, our current model that's in the segment. So, really, adding to that is uh, that ride height. You know, there's all-wheel drive availability, um, but just uh, just allowing you to to get around town. There's good cargo space. Um, you can really take the car and and get you'll get you know over over 30 miles a gallon and you know, combined and be able to putt around town, do your daily commutes, your errands. But then, like I said, you can take it out to the, you know, to the mountains, to the beach, you know, wherever you're going for the weekend and, and be able to have a nice weekend trip as well and be able to fit everything you need. So for the folks that just absolutely love the Corolla four-door sedan, is that still going to stay in the lineup? Yes, yes. We still plan to sell a, a lot of those, uh, those great Corolla sedans, uh, Corolla hybrid, Corolla hatchback, you know, this just adds another member to the Corolla family for someone that maybe wants something a little bit bigger, 
whether it's cargo capacity or just likes riding a little bit higher, right? And one of the things that, that you mentioned in the press uh, presentation was the fact that uh, you can tow with this vehicle. That's correct, yeah, up to 1,500 pounds of uh, towing capacity, and that's uh, on all models. It, it comes right out the gate with the vehicle. You don't have to add in a towing package or anything like that. So um, actually pretty rare in the entry SUV segment to have you know that kind of towing capacity. really allows you to do a lot of different things. You can get to tow a small fishing boat, Sea-Doo, um, jet ski, you know, or, or maybe you just want to put a, a bike mount back there and have a few bikes on the back. Well, and, I, and I'd asked in the, during the presentation about accessorizing this vehicle because you know nobody wants the vehicle just to be the way it is. They want to be able to add their touch to it. Plus, you've got a lot of people that are more into outdoors, canoeing, and all this adventure stuff that's available nowadays. And I think you said something over 30 uh, different uh, uh, additional options that you can get out of the Toyota parts department. Yes, yes. So uh, almost almost 30 different accessories. And um those are those are range from like I said an activity mount where you can put a bike or something else on the on the back. Um, there's uh, there's roof rails on the LE and XLE models so you can get the the crossbars there, add some additional cargo, uh, and then just a, a whole different uh, library of accessories. Things even like uh, black emblem overlays if you like that kind of blackout look right on all the badging, um, you can get that. Uh, paint protection, all weather floor mats. Um, there's really a wide portfolio that'll be out there and uh, I think they'll provide a lot of value for someone that wants to you know customize their vehicle a little bit further and I think truly if you folks look at that while you're and I highly recommend go to the Toyota website build your Corolla Cross then go to the accessory side of it add all the accessories that you want send that to your local dealer if you're still concerned about going in and out of businesses with lots of people in it they will literally build that vehicle exactly the way you want it you finance it and guess what everything they add to that vehicle is covered by the toyota warranty that's correct that's correct so any uh, any toyota accessories you add on when you get there it's all covered by the warranty as well so it's just like all coming you know right uh, right with your new car so it's a great great way to customize your car and yeah that's the best way to to look and find out all the the great accessories we have is on toyota.com because i guarantee you folks if you go to joe's accessory shop and he throws a bunch of stuff on there and doesn't do it right and he cuts into the wiring harness or he, he does something that you know doesn't fit you take it to toyota to give it covered under warranty you're not going to be a happy camper so keep it all under one roof you'll never have a problem with it uh, and then my personal opinion is once you buy the Corolla Cross, add the Toyota service contract if you plan to keep it more than three years or 36,000 miles because the more you cover it, trust me, the longer you'll keep it. And I, I will tell you, the only downside to a Toyota, you'll get tired of it before it'll wear out. I mean, that's just those things run. I've got Toyotas over 200,000 miles. And I think that's one of the key factors to Toyota is the longevity. Yeah, I mean, that's always been one of our uh, pillars uh, in all of our models, especially uh, anyone that's owned a Corolla before. And, again, this is a new member of the Corolla family. Quality and dependability and reliability. So, you know, being to have a nice, durable vehicle lasts a long time, and there's no better way to do it than you said. You, you'll get your first, you know, um, couple years of Toyota Carefree uh, or included with your with your purchase and then you can add on the the service contract as you're talking about and continue going back to the dealer they'll keep that car in tip-top shape 
and uh, it'll it'll last a long time. And it'll make great for trade-in value because especially nowadays when trade-ins are golden. Can you talk to me a little bit about the, the CVT transmissions? It's been around for a while now, but you've got a different take on, on your uh, CVT. Yeah, so, you know, a CVT or continuously variable transmission, right, they, they, they've been out a while now for all different manufacturers. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone that, that likes a traditional, you know, automatic transmission and really feeling those shifts, you know, you don't get the same feeling in a lot of the CVTs that are out there now. But uh, this new CVT that uh, we are on, that is on the Corolla Cross, uh, it's also on the Corolla Hatchback, it, it's a really, uh, we call it the direct shift CVT. And the reason we call it that is because, you can feel a little bit more crisp. It actually has a real first gear instead of uh, just going all the way through that uh, continuous ratio. It has a real first gear that helps you get off the line, helps to feel a little bit uh, more punch and, and just better driving dynamics uh, throughout you know, all the, the different gear ratios um, by really kind of you know, getting the best of both worlds. CVTs typically do give you a little bit better gas miles than a traditional transmission. Um, but, you know, the drivability sometimes, if you're not used to it, can feel a little bit different. This one kind of bridges the gap there. Well, I just, like I said, I just came back. I was in an LE, and I didn't even realize it was a CVT. And I think it's because of that first gear getting you off the line, and then once you get up into the, you know, into the CVT feature of it, you know, it's almost like it's seamless. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it uh, you, you, you'll still get, you know, those shift points it'll have in there, but again, it's really seamless, and it really helps with the fuel efficiency of the car, great driving dynamics as well. And then I understand you also have rear uh, uh, ventilation vents that you don't find on the competition, especially here in Austin, Texas, where it's going to be 387,000 degrees and 300,000 degree humidity. That rear AC vent system is really a plus. Yeah, I, it really is. I mean, uh, in this segment, it's you really don't find it at all, uh, st- and it's standard on all Corolla Cross models. Even if you get the L grade, you know, starting in the low 20s, right, it'll be a great, great model there. And, and those air- AC vents will really, um, you know, help. And th- you can also get heating back there, right? They're HVAC vents. So, you know, whether or not you're in a cold or warm market or it's just that time of the year, um, it really helps for that rear passenger because uh, nothing's worse than sitting in the back and they're blasting it up front and you can't feel any of the air in the back, right? So um, that, that really helps a lot. E- individual vents for each side, you can point them towards you no matter which side of the vehicle you're sitting on in the back. And, and that is so important, folks. If you, and I love it. I, I got into a, a vehicle one day and it, it was hot outside and the person in the back said, turn on the AC, turn on the AC. He says, he just started the car. Give it a chance to get cooled up and warmed up. Uh, one question I wanted to ask as well, and that's fuel, you know, 87, 89, 91. What, what is recommended? Uh, 87. It's, it's recommended and uh, uh, specced out, you know, with the MPG horsepower for, for 87. The other thing I noticed, too, there's no turbocharger, there's no supercharger, but yet maybe this has to do with that direct CVT transmission. You've got enough power to get up off off the line, and you going down. If you have to pass somebody, you seem to have been able to find that extra added horsepower when needed. Yeah, it's it's partially the CVT, but it's also what we call the dynamic force engine, right? It's a uh, it's a two liter engine, but um, it was uh, developed to, uh, when the original uh, this generation of Corolla came out a few years ago. Um, it's just a punchy engine, right? Almost 170 horsepower, 169 to be exact. 
and um, it really has enough get up and go, but also balances out with the good fuel efficiencies. You kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, and, and yeah, it, it doesn't need a turbo, you know, or anything like that. It, it still has plenty of torque to get you where you need to go. Well, I can't wait for you to TRD it because it's right around the corner. You're going to have to check it out, right? <laughs> I know you don't talk about future products. I won't even put you on that place. Chad, I thank you very much for taking time out of your morning. Uh, it's way more air conditioning in here than it is outside, so I think I'm going to go out and uh, drive a couple more models. All right. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, wait, folks. Welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. San Diego Gear and Axle, Steve's the man if you have any kind of undercarriage or drive train issues, whether it's two-wheel, four-wheel, all-wheel, makes no difference. Steve will take care of all your undercarriage needs. Just go to sdgearaxle.com, sdgearaxle.com. All right, have you heard of the 22 Toyota Tundra Capstone? Top of the line. Nick Bose is going to tell you all about it. All right, folks. Hey, I am in Monterey, California, and we are looking at the new Toyota Tundra, the Capstone Edition, which is kind of unique. And I'm in the vehicle right now, even though you can't see it. And I am with, uh, your name, sir? Vic Batia from R&D in Michigan. Okay, so we were you and I were talking a little bit, and this is what prompted the conversation, about the interior of this vehicle. For the listeners out there, how do you start out? I mean, what are you looking for when you're looking for the right seat for the world? It's oh, a great question. The biggest thing is packaging. And the first thing we need to understand is the packaging space that we have. And we're trying to accommodate different types of people with different statures. We got a, we got a package for an AM95, an AF05. We got to consider that, what's comfortable. And then we also got to look at the safety side, which is important too how the airbags are going to fire, so forth, where the position of the seat needs to be, all of those things that we need to look at. And then finally, as we, we gather all that data, we understand what we need to actually, uh, how, how we design our foam and everything else, and then the frame underneath it too. So let me ask you this. So when you guys all sit, I'm, I'm just assuming, you can yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, everybody's sitting in a room and says, all right, we're going to build this Tundra. Who gets first crack i mean is it chassis interior i mean do you say okay here's how much space we're going to have interior you fill that void and then you move on that's correct it's the platform it's normally the body first they normally work first and then we have to work within that and then from there a lot of times they always say it's difficult to change things on the body side it's not impossible but that's the starting point it's always the platform well, I was, like I said, I've told you I was a service manager, and I always used to joke that you guys would hang a part by a wire and then build a vehicle around it so I couldn't take the part off. But going back to the seats, uh, because there's a billion different variations of seating, you know. That's right. We have uh, the biggest thing is for, for the Tundra in this particular case, um, on the lower grades, we have a four-way manual. And then as you move up, we get eight-way power. And then what you're sitting in right now in the capstone on the driver's side is a 10-way power. That has a CLA, which is a cushion length adjuster. So we have to consider all those different things. And then we also, as I mentioned earlier, need to balance those things with our foam pad. And then obviously with the different trim cover that we have, the capstone you have here is our highest level leather and then as you move down, you get into different stages of leather and then also polyurethane. So we got to balance all of those things to make sure that if you sit in a higher grade or a lower grade, you actually feel the same comfort. 
and performance. And I think that is the challenge, really, if you really come right down to it. Because the materials themselves, because, you know, I, I know you're thinking of longevity. I mean, you hopefully someone's going to keep this Toyota for 10, 15, 20 years and getting in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out. You know, what is it going to wear? What's it going to look like in 10 years? How do you accomplish something like that? We go through v- vigorous testing. We actually have uh, requirements for ingress, egress, where we look at, um, I'm not sure, it's the life of the vehicle, where we do actual ingress, egress out of the vehicle to look at wear of the leather, mm-hmm. wear of the shields, the plastic around it, and so forth. So the, the, all that testing is important. And then finally, if we find areas of concern, we obviously countermeasure them. But the goal is to make sure that it looks the same from day one all the way to the end. And that end could be five years for some, ten years for some. It do- doesn't matter. Well, you know, back in the day, you know how they used to have the welting on the outside of your seats? Well, after getting in and out, in and out, in and out, that welting would, would de- deteriorate. So now you don't see that on seats anymore. That was a big concern. You would have areas where they would wear, and then obviously you'd have warranty. So, yes, that's kind of changed, and we saw that with this testing, those areas of concern would actually be that welting. Right. You know, sewing is an important part of this, too. And then, you know, obviously the overall styling plays a big, big role in what we're trying to actually balance for that testing. Right. Well, and I think you you hit it on the head, too. Safety is so important, whether it be side impact, frontal, doesn't make any difference. Yes, you've got the seat belts, and, you know, yes, you've got the shoulder belts. You've got all that, but you've got to figure out how to keep that person in the seat, in an impact, and still be comfortable. That is absolutely correct. To give you an example, our rear seats, both the cushion and the back are resin. And when you actually fold down the structure, we have requirements where if a customer has an abuse situation where they're dropping a toolbox or something else on top of the seat, we need to make sure that the seat actually doesn't doesn't crack, doesn't break, because the customer can't see it. They can't see the frame. And if it goes through some kind of safety, you know, a rear impact or front impact, we need to make sure that that seat frame is performing well for the customer. So there are stringent tests that we have to run to be able to protect our occupants. And you know, the consumer doesn't even know that they don't. It doesn't even doesn't even phase them because all they're looking for is the truck and. Then if something was to happen, then everybody, you know, being an old service manager, then they all get crazy and get alert. That's correct. That's correct. For instance, underneath our cushion here, and this is the hybrid variation we have here, there is a cover. And that cover actually protects the hybrid battery. And we had to run all kinds of tests on that to make sure that if someone stands on it, if someone actually drops water on it, it actually is not intruding into the hybrid battery. So, again, very vigorous testing. Well, and, and like this capstone, I mean, it's not designed for off-road, but you know what? You can't put in the owner's manual, Mr. Customer, don't take this truck off-road. So you've got that aspect of it, getting in the mud, the grit, the grime, everything that it could. And trust me, nobody will screw up a vehicle better than the customer. Because I don't know, I'm not care how much testing you do, nobody screws it up better. Am I right? That is absolutely correct. And we try to learn as much as sure. we did on a, on past vehicles. We see what the customer usage is. We try to improve on that. And hopefully we gather all that information that goes into our design. Yeah. And, you know, that we're still learning. We'll see other areas that, we'll, you know, that we might need to improve uh, for the next generation or so forth. Right. 
Well, and the dealer has a lot to do with it. That's a very strong partner to you because you just can't look at every single thing. So if you don't have a good relationship with your dealer, then you're not going to get input that will benefit that customer later down the road. That is absolutely correct. We have groups that interface directly with the dealers and provide us feedback, and that feedback comes directly to us. And we look at different things, and we look at things that are maybe we didn't consider before because there's a lot of different customers, and they have a lot of different ways of using the seats or the interior, and we need to understand that. Well, and there's that thin, fine line. I mean, I may want this truck, but I want a bench seat. Well, there are not many people are asking for a bench seat, so it's not financially feasible to put a bench seat in here because a bench seat is another animal all in itself from safety, comfort, uh, belts, because uh, if you put a third person in the center, now you got a whole new impact issue. So I think people need to understand what it takes to build a truck. I mean, if they think it's easy, come see Vic. <laughs> that is correct. A good way to put it. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. All right. Well, let me see. What do we got here on time-wise? Uh, yeah, we did pretty good. So any final words about this truck that you'd like people to take a look at if they were to come see it once it hits the dealers? Well, the thing I can say is, is um, as mentioned before, this truck was designed and built in the U.S. Yeah. Um, to be able to, to work on it myself on the seat side, very proud. Yeah. And um, we spent a lot of time learning about what the customer usage is, and we put it into this truck. We looked at storage. We looked at many different things for the seats. We looked at the customer wanting ventilation or heat in the rear seat. We spent a lot of time getting the customer voice, and I can say I'm proud to be able to work on this vehicle. Well, wouldn't you say this is like one of your kids? You know, you, you birth it, you know, you grow it up, and you send it off to college or you send it off to the world and your heart kind of pitter-pats because now it's out there in the general public. But guess what? There's another one right around the corner you're working on. That's absolutely correct. When someone says something negative about your kid, Uh. you take it to heart. When someone says something negative about the seats, we take it to heart. So, yes, great example of that. Vic, thank you very, very much for taking time out of your day. I love this truck. I think you guys have done a phenomenal job. And uh, maybe I'll see you on the next uh, iteration of the Tundra uh, or the Sequoia, and we'll have more to talk about. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, uh, John's Automotive Import Repair takes care of this segment, 7447 University Avenue. Go to johnssandiegoautorepair.com, two locations. This is his import store. And AAA, Napa Auto Care, ASC certified, can't beat it. Nobody does a better job than John. Uh, any work done on, on your vehicle by him, it's good clear across the continental United States. I mean, he's just stellar when it comes to standing behind his work, three-year, 36,000 miles. Check it out, John's. Automotive Import Repair at 7447 University Avenue in La Mesa. Well, I was going to do another interview, but, you know, I happened to grab my automotive news, and oh, my, my. This was July 4th. It looks like Nissan Titan, the big truck, is done. Uh, They just can't chip away at the big three. So Nissan has decided this is it. They're not going to go any farther. Uh, On an upbeat, GM takes back sales crown in the second quarter, beating out Toyota. So that's kind of some semi-good news. 
uh, Audi. Their chip shortage is stretching into the 23rd EV, uh, 20 and 2023, which is not good news. But there are 20 electric uh, ICE models planned for 2025. So even though we don't have the chips and even though we don't have the infrastructure and even though we don't have any way to keep these, these electric vehicles going, uh, they're moving forward. And I don't think they're the only roads or the only ones doing it. Uh, Lucid, they're doing the same thing. That's the all-electric car. Uh, they're doing the same exact thing. Uh, they're opening stores, but it will be using pop-ups to reach more customers. So their 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 goals are the same. But I just, I have to tell you, I'm just not convinced that anybody is looking, you know, really down the future. Hyundai goes really sleek with their iconic uh, EV6 Streamliner is what they're calling it. Uh, it's got a 0.21 coefficient of drag, and that is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just really, really something. I can't even imagine that they can get through the air that fast. Honda, a sense of adventures, are coming out with a new generation 2023 Pilot. There's some sneak photos floating around. Next generation Ford Ranger will feature an extended wheelbase variant. Uh, according to a spy photo, looks like the images of the midsize pickup set to debut in 2023 has been captured in, in Michigan running around. Uh, the Volkswagen ID Arrow speaks to a car crowd. Uh, Volkswagens may be cutting cars from the American lineup, but a new full electric sedan, the ID Arrow, is headed to the U.S. likely after the launch in China and Europe. Volkswagen showed a near production concept of the midsize car in China last week ahead of a planned sales launch in 23. It'll still be built in Germany and China where cars remain popular and key entry points for many of the brands. The ID Arrow uses the same MEB platform as other Volkswagen, so we'll just have to wait and see how that shakes out. Uh, looks like Tesla is going to come up with an enhanced autopilot feature. Uh, it's going to return for U.S. Teslas. Uh, the package could lift sales over autopilot's full self-driving system. I'm not 100% sure. The first Rivian EV charging sites open near U.S. off-road areas, 600 totally planned across the United States. 600. Are you only going to sell 600 cars? It just makes me crazy. Of course not. They have, they're the crown royal of electric vehicles here I in know. California. So, And on top of that, uh, I remember Tesla lost like some safety points for getting rid of the autopilot. So I'm, uh, I'm surprised that they're putting it back now. But again, I guess they're making that much money that they can do it at this point. I don't so. think they're making enough. And Rivian's going to put these things in Yosemite, Death Valley. I mean, hello. I don't get it. So, but, you know, we'll have to see. Well, they're trying to get to the off-road community, but I, I, that's not the market I would be I know. going for, I guess. And know. Ram, they got tech issues coming out their ears. Ram just fell from 1st to 18th Ooh. in J.D. Power's quality ranking. 
which is not good. No. Not good. Going not back good. to your uh, Nissan Frontier being discontinued. No, no, no. The Nissan Titan. Oh, Titan. Excuse me. The Nissan Titan. Um, maybe it's Nissan's fault for the marketing on that part because, honestly, consumer reports show that they're doing better than Chevy mm-hmm. trucks. So, again, like you said, I know it's money talks and mm-hmm. sales weren't the best thing. But uh, still, uh, it, it, Nissan should have done something in terms of the marketing in order to really push that out. Well, I mean, uh, I, I, maybe you go the Tesla route probably and just try to be mm-hmm. a meme or some kind of like a – be very, very, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but try to be creative with uh, the consumer itself. Like, you know how Tesla says, oh, you can make your horn into any sound you want and stuff like that. I know it's a dumb thing by itself, but I'm saying Nissan should have done something like that, I feel like. Well, and, let me ask you. Go ahead. You've seen the Nissans. Yes. Are you, can you hardly wait to go out and buy one? Only the Frontier, really. Titan, not, not so much. Well, that's that's my whole point. Okay. And then Biden, his ZEV goals, signals industry direction, but a whole lot of more support is needed. Car makers push ahead, but consumer buy-in requires federal help. So if we're here we go again. <laughs> you know, don't build something that I can't wait to go buy. Build something, and then you, the government, has to give me my money back. To get me to go drive this thing, I just don't understand it. It's a lot. It's a lot of, I guess, good intentions, but really, you need something to back it up. You you need government spending in order to create these electricities. No, I mean, fix the infrastructure. Yep, fix the battery system. I mean, if I don't like broccoli, I don't like broccoli. You're not going to force me to eat broccoli. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. So just build me something that. You know, that I cannot wait to do. California right here. Races to full EV sales by 2035. They just cannot wait. And they can't even keep what they've got. Uh, Audrey was just saying that she just got a bill from SDG&E, told her to get ready for brownouts and blackouts. And the reason for brownouts and blackouts are all of the electric vehicles that they've sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I don't know. Ford plans to build 2 million EVs globally by 2026. Where are you going to charge them up? Uh, Honda's shooting for an EV rollout in three phases in North America. Stellantis plans another daring electrification shift by taking a Jeep and turning it all electric. You know, I get that California is the third largest economy, I think, in the entire world. In that sense, but it it doesn't seem like it seems like car dealerships are just out, outlier, just like isolating California by itself instead yeah. of focusing on the other forty nine states which haven't ruled on this EV right. situation either. So. Mercedes Benz aggressive EV rollout. BMW takes flexible approach to EV. Hyundai Group investing for big electric uh, electrification makes way through Volkswagen Group. Um, Honda shoots for EV rollout in three phases. Toyota commits to EVs but hedges. It's best with hybrids. Electric era to quicken the pay. I mean, geez, Louise. Okay, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> Why? Because you ought to know it's right around the corner. Brittany, or uh, Brittany, Kristen and Brian are going to be calling in right here on FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.